Welcome to the Marotsko Method. I am your host, Adrian Jezik. It took most of my life to get sick and several years to make myself well again. I had to risk my life in order to save it. I was told by doctors that I was chronically ill and I needed medication in order to survive. The problem was that none of the medicines worked, so I took my healing into my own hands. Through my practice of deliberate cold exposure and adding more natural modalities along the way, I found my path out of traditional medicine and towards intuitive self-care. I am here to share my story and yours. I want the world to know what we are all capable of. Hi everyone, welcome to the Morotsko Method. I'm your host, Adrienne Jezik. I have a fantastic guest with me here today. We have been working on getting this in the works for a little bit. And my guest today is Natalie Nidham. I got to meet her at the Upgrade Labs conference in Florida with Dave Asprey and all that super fun stuff. We had a beautiful dinner before the conference started. It was a women's dinner, just us gals hanging out and talking all things under the sun. And I sat down right next to Natalie because I didn't know anyone there. And I thought, well, she looks interesting. And sure enough, from the minute we started talking, I felt a connection to Natalie. And every time I speak with her, I am fascinated. I learned something new. I'm inspired. Her energy is infectious. Natalie, welcome to the Morelsko Method. Thank you so much, Adrian. What an introduction. And I feel the exact same way about you. <laughs> So will you tell us a little bit about who you are, Natalie? Okay. I started off as a holistic nutritionist. I went back to school, I don't know, probably 10 years ago now and decided to study nutrition. I had studied human physiology in what you guys call college. I am Canadian. Um, <laughs> just getting it out there. But I ended up my whole life kind of in corporate jobs, like sales jobs, advertising, the whole nine yards. But this love of science never really left me. And I always remained, I think, way back then, I'm going to date myself. Biohacking was not a thing, but I was probably always a little bit of a biohacker even then. I was a fitness instructor, which kind of allowed me to keep my finger in the health space, if you will, or at least telling people what to do at that time. And so I went back to school when I just decided this sales thing wasn't really working for me. And I just wanted to go back to something that I was passionate about and that I loved. Looking around me, I could see that my family, all these preventable chronic diseases were propping up for people. Things like type 2 diabetes and arthritis and gout and cholesterol. And, you know, again, like my belief has always been that the body can heal itself and it has an amazing capacity to heal itself. We just have to get out of the way. And so those two things and the fact that I was I've always been a bit of a foodie kind of sent me down the nutrition path. So I went back to school, became a nutritionist. And after about a year, or two, which was really interesting, and it was a great foundation and reboot back into kind of health. And then I realized you know, this nutrition thing's great, but it's not quite enough. And that was right when Dave Asprey, who at the time I was following, announced their first bulletproof human potential coach training cohort. And I'm the kind of person that kind of makes decisions like this. When I went back to school for nutrition, that was a seven-day process. I had a conversation with my chiropractor. I looked to do a few schools and boom, I was registered. <laughs> Bulletproof announced at the time it was called Bulletproof. We know it's not anymore, but at the time they announced their course and I had never spent that much money on a course other than going back to school. And I was like, 
I'm going to do this. And boom, I was in no idea what I was signing up for. You know, that cognitive dissonance you get as a consumer, when you sign up for something like this, you're like, holy crap, what did I just spend all this money on? Like, are they just going to be do that all the time? I'm like, well, I'm here. Let's see what happens. <laughs> I was like, did I just spend like thousands of dollars to learn about the Bulletproof diet? Like, I don't think so. Anyway, it was so much more right? It really introduced me into this whole world of biohacking at a different level. But beyond that, the whole psychology of happiness, it was my real introduction into meditation, mindfulness, the whole HRV world through heart math. There was a whole eight week program embedded into the course on heart rate variability. We learned about the psychology of getting people to change their behavior. And this is ultimately, this is the key right? There's no short of information in the world, but helping people to overcome their inner stories, their inner beliefs about themselves, helping them to move past their own inner obstacles, if you will, is really ultimately the secret to becoming a better coach and someone who can really help people to move from where they are towards where they want to be. I mean, to where they want to be is silly because we're always moving towards life is a journey. Health is a journey. Anyway, so I did that. And then my next shiny object syndrome moment was with genetics and epigenetics. So then I decided to become an epigenetic coach. I did the program with the Puron and both of these programs, I'll say like the Bulletproof human potential coach training program that when I signed up, they're like, oh yeah, it's a couple hours a week. It turned out it was like 10 hours a week. It was unbelievable. I fell behind at one point. I had to literally lock myself in my office for two weeks and not talk to anybody to catch up again. So a Puron was not that different in the sense that I had to treat it like a job for a couple of months, but learned a lot and really kind of dug into that. And then fast forward, and actually it was right around the time that I did the Puron coach training that I went to Paleo FX in your beautiful city of Austin. No, you're not in Austin. I keep thinking you're in Austin, but I know you're not. I spend a lot of time in Austin. <laughs> yeah, I'm in Phoenix today, but I'll be in Austin next weekend. <laughs> there you go. It's, it's fluid, right? Anyway, so that's where I first heard about peptides was PaleoFX. And it's funny because I didn't go to that many sessions. And that was one of the ones I went to. And I literally spent the entire session with my jaw on the floor going, come on. Could there possibly be things that are this crazy that can move things. And there were anyway. So from that, I started a Facebook group. It's now close to 10,000 people because of the Facebook group. I launched a podcast because I wanted to figure out a way to get all these other smarter people than me to talk to me. So that's now we're at 70 something episodes where we've just crossed 80,000 downloads. So it's still small, but it's growing and it's got a really devoted audience. I'm really grateful for and so that's who I am. I'm a coach. I speak at events. I have a podcast. I have a Facebook group. That's what I do. What does a day in the life of Natalie look like? What's a day in the life for you? Do you even have a typical day? I have certain pieces of my day that are anchored. But then after that, that's probably one of the things I would like to work on in 2022 is bringing more consistent structure. I'm a very freewheeling kind of person. I interview people in a very conversational way and I live my life very much like that. But I've learned that things like my self-care, like working out or getting outside, those are the things that I really have to, I have to plan, anchor and schedule 
or they do not happen. And I've gone through times in the last year or so where I've just been so incredibly busy that when I didn't have these things put in place, I would find myself doing exactly what I'm telling people not to do. Sitting in my chair for hours upon, like hours upon hours, working until morning, until 10, 11 o'clock at night. It can be very relentless. So I have learned that my workout first thing in the morning is non-negotiable. My getting outside first thing in the morning is non-negotiable. And while I've been lucky to, enough to be here in Florida for almost three weeks now, I would say that I've made it to the beach for sunrise almost every morning. And love that. Oh, and it, you know what? It changes my day. Like I didn't do it for a couple of days and it, you know, it involves a big beach walk and the whole nine yards and it completely changes my energy. Are you on the East coast of Florida or the West? What city are you in? I'm near Deerfield beach. I think I'm on the East coast. Yeah. You're on the East coast. Okay. So you're literally seeing the sun come up over the horizon, literally over the water. Exactly. And we oh. played, there was one sunrise last week where we had a double, I called it a double sunrise because there was a bank of clouds just above the horizon. And so the sun came up from the horizon, went behind the clouds and then rose out of the clouds. And it was this amazing double sunrise. It was just spectacular. You're talking about my home here. I grew up on the East coast of Florida in Vero beach, Sebastian area. Dang. Yes. And obviously as a kid, you think it's cool. You get to go to the beach and things like that. But I did not realize until I moved away, how many hours a day I spent at the beach. If I had 30 minutes to kill, if I had an afternoon with nothing else going on, if I had friends I wanted to meet up with, the beach was always the answer. I wasn't in restaurants. I wasn't drinking in bars. I wasn't indoors in a gym. I was outside and I never considered myself to be like an outdoorsy person until I moved away and realized I spent all of my time on the beach. I was always outside. So it's interesting to me being in Arizona now, I'm lucky that in Phoenix, we still have a horizon. And I've just learned this too, about how so many people in inner cities and in big cities, they don't even see the sun go up and go down. They just see shadows of buildings move. Yeah. That is crazy to me. And so are you also watching, even though it's not necessarily like horizon over the ocean, are you also watching sunset? Like, are you doing that full circadian rhythm thing? Yeah. Yeah. No, I make sure I'm out there and I see, I mean, because with the sunset, to your point, it, it's harder to find that horizon here, even though it's quite flat and there aren't a lot of big buildings, it's tough to find the sight line to a horizon, but just seeing the change in light, the change in the sky as the sun's going down, sends that information into the brain, gives the feedback to the brain this is where we are. This is what time it is. This is what we're now preparing for, right? So, that, you know what? That's fascinating to me too. I used to sleep with a sleep mask because waking up in the morning with the sun, I wanted to get just a little bit of extra time. And what I was realizing was when I took that sleep mask off, when the sun was up, my eyes would hurt because there was no transition. There was no like, it's a little lighter, it's a little lighter, it's a little lighter. It was just straight dark to all of a sudden, boom, sun in my eyes. And so I stopped wearing a sleep mask because I was like, this can't be good. Like this can't be good for me. And now this is years ago. And 
Now with all this coming out about sun gazing and the ways that it impacts our bodies, our brains, the way that we produce cells, the way that we function on a cellular level, I was like, well, yeah, instinctually, I knew that it wasn't good for me to not have that natural light. And the way that my bed in Phoenix is, the sun comes up right in front of my bedroom window and I don't have any curtains. It's just plants. So I get to see the plants, but I do have those sun UV blocking windows again, because it's Phoenix and you'll burn on the inside of your house. If you don't have that, I notice the difference, especially now that I have a teeny tiny puppy at home and we're up before dawn. I notice the difference when I'm standing outside and that sun starts to come over the horizon and it has had an impact. I just wish I really struggle this time of year when the sun is gone by 530. I really struggle with that. And so full disclosure, I mean, I do red light, which is fantastic. I'm waking up with the sun, which is great. I still sometimes use a tanning bed because just that concentration of the UV and the heat, the days when I can take five minutes to nine minutes in a tanning bed, I am changed for the day. And that's starting the day. I've already seen the sunrise. I'm over here doing a quick five to 10 in a tanning bed. And then my whole day is easier. My mood is even. My energy is there. I'm not crashing. I maybe have a few sips of coffee and I don't even finish a cup. And those are the differences that I notice, especially this time of year, because I don't do that in the summer. I'm not tanning in the summertime. It's just in the wintertime when the sun is just gone. And I'm a sunshine girl. Like, I need the sun. It gives us light. Totally. Totally. <laughs> and we're also vitamin D deficient. Like, we all need it. Yeah, and definitely getting your vitamin D from sun is the best place. It's tricky for me because I live in Toronto and there are the vitamin D lights, the good ones to get your body to make your own vitamin D are expensive. I haven't made the investment yet. And I don't know that much about tanning beds. My understanding was always that they can represent a challenge to our skin, but it sounds to me like you're spending very little time in there. So very little. It's just a booster. It's really yeah. just a booster. And we have a vitamin D lamp at the spa at the Morosco Forge studio. And I'll tell you what, it says five minutes. It won't let you do a timer longer than five minutes. You can reset it. Yeah, But if I sit in front of that vitamin D lamp for five minutes, or if I sit in front of my Mito red light for 20 minutes, I feel better with that 20 minutes of Mito red than I do with the vitamin D. And if I'm only spending five minutes, I get a better result from the tanning than I do from the vitamin D. I do also try to throughout the day, even though I'm like you, I'm in front of my computer, I'm on the phone, I'm in meetings all day long. If I'm outside in the sunshine for about an hour, that's really the key amount of time. If I can be in the sunshine for about an hour, I feel amazing. And you know what the biggest thing I've noticed this winter, because this is pretty new for me. The biggest thing I've noticed this winter is that I'm not as hungry. I'm not craving those fatty foods, those carbs, that late night snack eating. I'm not feeling that at all. And I think it's because this is the first winter that I have changed my habits around mm -hmm. the sun, around the red light, around the tanning. I've never done any of this prior to this winter. And it's not had an impact. And how's your sleep? So your sleep's been good. Sleep, I don't struggle with. I have never really struggled. Not since I was a teenager, I have not hardly struggled with sleep. So 
Sleep for me is pretty. That's pretty on point. That's not something I typically, the most I struggle with with sleep is occasionally just overactive dreaming or nightmares. The occasional like, you know, but I fall asleep. I am asleep. I wake up a couple nights in the night now because of the puppy, but also because I go to the bathroom and I just drink gobs of water. I'm not going to stop drinking water before bed to avoid that. So sleep is good for me. Oh, that's great. Yeah, no, I mean, the you know, light is not particularly my area of expertise, but definitely it's so inherently important to our physiology and we're so disconnected from it in our modern lives. Mm-hmm. Even having to have those filters on your windows to survive in a climate, the one you're in, ultimately does a disservice because it's blocking out some of those sun's rays that you actually need. And we talk about red light all the time, but we also need blue light. Like we need the right light at the right time. And that involves the entire spectrum being delivered to the system through the day. For people who aren't willing to do a tanning bed particularly, or who don't want to get the vitamin D light, there is a really interesting company out of Finland, because that's where a lot of the cool biohacking stuff comes from. The company is called Valky, and they make a device called the Human Charger. And the Human Charger is the coolest little device ever. And basically, they have two versions of it. One looks like, remember the iPods, like the little mini iPod? Yeah, yeah, the skinny ones. So it looks like a little silver iPod. It's got black wires that come out with earbuds, but on the end of each earbud is a bright white light. And that bright white light shines into your ears and it hits photoreceptors in your brain. And so one of the applications for the, it's called the human charger. One of the applications for the human charger is to use it when you're traveling because it can help you to fix your jet lag much faster because it re-delivers, it helps you to reset your circadian rhythm onto the time zone you're in. But the other application, and I do think that they have medical kind of approval, like from whatever FDA they have in Finland to treat SAD, seasonal affective disorder, where people can actually use this thing. And it's the neatest thing. And it feels really nice because it's kind of warm in your ears. And so you just put the little earbuds in your ears and you turn this thing on. It's time for a 10 minute cycle. And it shines this like intense white light into the brain. And just helps to give you that little boost. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say it here. I wonder how many people are sticking it in other places. You've heard of perineum sunning, like the red light. I've seen people put that red light in some places and I get it. Nude sunbathing has always been my jam. Anytime I can be floating in the sunshine, fully nude, I'm happy as I could possibly be. It's the best thing for my mood. I can imagine People giving this a try. I'm not just, by the way, you guys, I'm not recommending this. I'm just saying I could see where creating light in the parts of the body that we're constantly covering up because that's the other thing. We're constantly covering up. Our bodies go from climate-controlled environment to climate-controlled environment. We wear sunglasses. We wear hats. We wear long sleeves. We're covering ourselves in sunscreen. Our bodies are not being exposed to elements. And it isn't just sunshine. It's cold weather. It's hot weather. It's wet weather. Even when it's raining, 
I'm not rushing to and from my car. I'm just walking in the rain. It can sometimes be cold. It can sometimes be uncomfortable. This is what our bodies are meant to experience. And I think that the more creature comforts we develop, the more I'm starting to see, specifically for myself, I won't even speak for anyone else here, the more creature comforts are introduced to my life, the less optimization I get from the functionality of my body. Yeah. Our bodies are designed to suffer. Our bodies are designed for discomfort. Well, or to deal. And to yeah, that's a better way to say that. I think, and you're right. I think that like for me, when I got a dog, which forced me to go outside in the winter, which I will not, I'm not going to lie. I don't like going outside in the winter because it's bloody cold in Canada. I mean, not always, but it can be quite cold, but you weather the winter better. You tolerate the cold better. And when I do my cold exposure outside, I won't necessarily do cold immersion, not unless Adrian's there coaching me into the ice, but I've definitely done workouts in a sports bra and tights and gloves in my backyard when it's minus 25 degrees Celsius, which is pretty darn cold. And when I do that, I tolerate the cold better. Yeah. The whole approach to cold improves. Like I then get to, I got to the point last winter where I would be taking my coat off and my tops off and I'd be just in a sports bra or just a little tank top on a flipping cold day walking my dog and people would literally be looking at me like I've lost my marbles. They do. They look at you like you're crazy. And even in Phoenix in the summer when it's in the three digit temperatures and I'm taking ice baths, people think I'm nuts. And my practice tends to be pretty strong for the most part. What I notice in the winter time is I really try not to go more than a couple of days without an ice bath because even though in Phoenix, it's not snowing, it's 60 something during the day, it's mid thirties at night. And those are on our cold weeks, which is like this week, but it's not frequent. Guaranteed by next week or the following, we're gonna be right back up in the high seventies again, which will be beautiful. And when I am spending all this time indoors, sitting down, being still, you see me now, I've got a sweater on. I could be all layered up. As soon as I go outside and take an ice bath, it's awful. It is awful to be outside in my bathing suit, even in the 60 degree temperatures. And I'm talking Fahrenheit here for, for those of you in different countries. Even in those 60 degree temperatures, it's terribly uncomfortable. I don't want to do it. And when I get out of the ice, my body gets that flush of all the blood coming back into my system. As soon as that shiver goes away, or as soon as my body starts to re-regulate, which is pretty quickly, I'm warm to the point where even when I'm going to bed at night, my feet are warm. My hands are warm. Hey, ladies, how many of us out there can say that we have warm hands and warm feet? Yeah. And if you don't, let's address the circulatory system. Let's see what you're doing for your vascular system and see like, what are you doing to increase blood flow and oxygen to your extremities? Cause that's what that is. My hands and feet are always cold. I can't take an ice bath. I can't be cold. No, you need the cold. Absolutely. And I think any amount of cold is a good amount of cold. It does not have to be an ice bath. It can be a cold shower. It can be walking outside in the snow with your dog in a tank top. It can be doing your workout outdoors even in Phoenix in the 60s, doing your workout outdoors until you get to a point where your body's warmed up enough and you don't even think about that sweatshirt. Well, there's I yesterday. I yeah. went on a hike. I was fully layered up. By the time I got 10 minutes in, all my layers were gone. Yeah. Well, there's actually some really interesting research that was done decades ago 
where it showed like they had a bunch of women exercising in a cold room versus people exercising in a hot room, not a hot, hot yoga room, but like a regular room Well, your body's got to work harder. You're burning more calories when you're out in the cold because your body strives for homeostasis. It's going to drive up the furnace to keep you warm, even when the outside is cold. So there's so many benefits, but there's a couple of other ways to, and I feel like this would also support all the benefits from the ice bathing for the circulatory system. So two things is one is I just released a podcast with a woman by the name of Beth Shirley. Have you heard of her? No. She's the scientific advisor for a company called Berkeley Life Professional, and they make a nitric oxide support uh, supplement. And by the time she was done with me and pretty much so many of my listeners, because I could see this after the podcast, nitric oxide is so central to our health and to our well-being and to our circulatory system. We all know that it's a vasodilator and in the right amounts, it helps to modulate blood pressure, but it's foundational to everything in the body. And most of us are deficient in nitric oxide. We definitely become deficient as we age. We don't eat enough of the right foods. Some people genetically, like me, for example, were wired to make less nitric oxide to begin with. So we're more prone to high blood pressure issues, that kind of stuff later in life. Anyway, so using a good nitric oxide support supplement and the one that they make is one of the best. Plus, they've got these cool little testing strips so you can test your status before you take the supplement to see if you're low. And then you can retest like I think it's 90 minutes or two hours after you take your supplement and boom, like your nitric oxide is off the charts. That is so rad. See, so are there foods that you can eat to get more nitric oxide then? Well, beets, beet greens. Oh, I love beets. Like dark green leafy vegetables will definitely support nitric oxide. So it's one of those things where you can buy the test strips. If you figure out that you're naturally low, you might take the supplement once a day. For a boost. You might make sure that with your lunch or with your dinner, you get a bunch of those foods that are also going to support the nitric oxide production, right? So you can keep it going so that you're not always dependent yeah, because there are a few different things about what I learned when I was weaning myself off the medications, the vitamins, the supplements, because part of it was if my body was reliant on these supplements, then it was going to stop trying to derive them from foods. And again, I'm not a doctor, but I was like thinking of this logically, like how do I get this more in my foods and my activities, specifically, let's just say vitamin D. How am I going to get more of this so that I don't have to rely on the supplement? Well, now I do still take some supplements. I have my daily vitamin regimen. I had to get myself off of that first and yeah. then retrain my body how to derive this from foods. Because sometimes when we're supplement based and we're still eating these foods, the body has this way of knowing, well, I don't have to work so hard to take it from the food because I know I'm going to get it in this little pill. Like somehow the physiology of our body knows this. And I do still take vitamin D because it's just one of those. It's just, I'm a woman, even though I'm in Phoenix, I don't spend nearly enough time in the sun. And part of that is skin protection. 
I'm just working on it. I'm working on figuring out like what that balance is between the supplements and then the things that I'm consuming naturally in order to get it. I think a combination of the two is always good. I love it when you can test. I love when you can test with a test strip, like keto, those pH keto test strips and things like that. I love knowing real time, A, where am I? B, after I take the supplement, it's making a change in the body because often with vitamins, you've got to be on them for 30, 60, 90 days to start to really see the results of a vitamin supplement. So I love this idea of a nitric oxide supplement where you can see results in real time. Yeah. And it is a real time thing. Like when you supplement with nitric oxide, it is like with a nut and you know, it's not actual nitric oxide. Like there is actually beet extract in there. So they are using food base, but they're also using cofactors. But the other way to support the circulatory system, which is kind of going into my other peptide bioregulator peptide bucket, is there's a bioregulator peptide that supports the integrity and the rejuvenation of the circulatory system of blood vessels. And so, again, we now start to see where if we know we want to prioritize and we know we want to prioritize the circulatory system, like if we don't know this, we should know this by now. Yeah. It's the way that our cells at a cellular level get nutrients and it's the only way that we can remove waste, right? So those, those little tiny capillaries, the little arterioles, the little tiny blood vessels, the integrity of those blood vessels is critical. And there's a million pieces to keeping them healthy, including having healthy blood lipid levels and so many different things. Nitric oxide helps as well, but the integrity of the, that endothelium of that very delicate lining, it gets compromised as we, again, as we age. And so the bioregulator peptides, which are quite different than the peptides that a lot of people are familiar with, these are actually extracts from tissues, glands, and organs of animals. And they contain these tiny little amino acid chain proteins that are anywhere from two to four amino acids. So we're talking like micro mini itty bitty little, like the tiniest proteins you can imagine that actually are able to bind to the DNA in that tissue and upregulate the production of proteins so that you're rejuvenating from within. And so you have blood vessel, you have a blood vessel bioregulator. So I wouldn't use a blood vessel bioregulator necessarily on its own. The bioregulators tend to work better in stacks. And there's some really interesting ones. Like we were talking about circadian rhythm before. There's another bioregulator for the pineal gland, which is the center of where our circadian rhythm is being driven both systemically and even at a cellular and a tissue and an organ level where there's a bioregulator for the pineal gland as well. And it also helps to normalize your melatonin production naturally and from within. So we talk about supplementing with melatonin and there's definitely times when that is an appropriate thing to do. But what if you could get your body to make its own like it used to? Yeah, that's always the preferred is retraining your body to do this on its own. Because isn't melatonin one of those supplements too? You can take it for so long and then you need to take a break. 
It depends. You know what? I actually think this is one of those ones where you could take a bunch of people, lock them in a room and nobody would walk out alive because (laughs) people just don't agree. Right. I think what's interesting about melatonin is we think about it as, oh, that's the hormone we need for sleep. Yeah. Uh, But actually, it's a very powerful antioxidant. It's powerful anti-inflammatory. It's super important for a gajillion things. You can have melatonin applied topically for skin care. You can have melatonin applied topically to help regrow hair from hair loss. It's crazy, all of the different things. Now, the bad news is I did this one night. I actually had some melatonin and I put it in my hand and I put my face cream in there and then I rubbed it on and I wasn't all that careful about how much melatonin I had. I was like drugged for two days. It was hilarious. And I'm a slow melatonin metabolizer. Again, this is in my genes. Mm -hmm. The way my liver processes melatonin and caffeine is pokey. So as a result, I drink very little caffeine, if ever. When I've been drinking caffeine, because as fast as I'm talking right now, I'm like triple C. (laughs) And, (laughs) And so I'm very careful with caffeine. And I have to be very careful with melatonin because for me, it just takes me longer to clear it. Did you discover this through trial and error, through testing? Because there are so many different things out there now where we can do the genetic testing, we can do the biomarkers, we can test everything in the body. And I think it's important to continuously regenerate that brain-body connection so that we're understanding like on an internal level what our bodies need. But like, what's the what's- I've always known, well, I haven't always known. I used to drink caffeinated coffee all the time. Mm -hmm. And it came to my attention a number of years ago that if I had too much coffee, my teeth would start chattering. So people know this, right? People will tell you, oh yeah, if I drink too much coffee, I get the jitters. Or if I have a coffee after two o'clock in the afternoon, I don't get to sleep at night, whatever the case may be. So people might know this. What the genetics do is they help you to understand and confirm where it's coming from, why it is, what you might be able to do about it. So with melatonin, for example, what's really interesting about melatonin is you might not notice or understand why you can't get out of bed in the morning or you're very sluggish. People are slow melatonin metabolizers. If they keep taking too much melatonin or the wrong kind, so like someone like me, if I take a delayed release melatonin, that's a disaster because it's going to stay in my system way longer than it should. Especially because you metabolize it slower. I break it down so much more slowly. And so then people like me can actually, if we insist on taking the wrong melatonin or too much, you can actually develop depression. Yeah. Okay. And now you're going to go to your doctor, God forbid, who's going to say, oh, no problem. I can fix that. (laughs) Just have some Prozac or whatever the case may be. Whereas it's actually a really simple thing. So I'm with you. I think testing is great. It can give us some really neat insight. It can explain to us sometimes why something is the way that it is, but you have to layer that over your reality. You have to then look at your, how does my body respond to this within the context of what I know, or your genes also, whether they're expressing or not, it depends on a million different factors. Yeah. So you may have that switch, but it may not be switched on or off. Now, With melatonin and caffeine breakdown, not so much. Like I think you're either set up one way or another. But with things like even, for example, methylation, right? People get all crazy about, oh, I'm an overmethylator. I have the methylation 
they will say, oh, I'll have the, I have the methylation, I'm not the variant is the word that I've used. I've trained myself not to say the word mutation because it's not a mutation. It's like, this is the color I am. This is the flavor. And I'm that having. varies. It does not mean that you are mutated. You're not abnormal. You're just right. you are what you are, right? But what's really interesting is if you look at all the people who have those variants of methylation that make them over under methylators, if you were just to look at their genetics and start treating them with whether it's SAMe or methylated vitamins or whatever the case may be, you could be way off base because most of them don't express. Most of them are fine, either from their diet or their lifestyle or something else that they're doing is offsetting and not allowing that switch to flip. And this is the most important thing about genetics, I think, that people need to really get their heads around is looking at your genetics is a great idea, but taking those results and defining yourselves by it before understanding what is actually expressing and what you can do to change the expression of your genes is really doing yourself a disservice. So you nailed it. And this is one of the reasons that I tell people do not start 10 new things at once. No. Start with one. So here we are. It's the new year. I've never believed in New Year's resolutions. I don't measure time in years. I do more in a day than many people do in a month. So I'm not thinking of this year was good or bad, or this year's going to be or not going to be great. Like a year is way too much time period. And so I'm not a resolution maker. I'm not going to wake up on January 1st and say, I'm going to do 10 new things today that I've never done. And then wonder why in two weeks, none of those things have stuck. For one, I wouldn't know what was working. So I am a fan of the smallest possible experiment. If you want to experiment with melatonin, let's just use that as an example, experiment with melatonin. Don't change anything else in your body, in your routine, in your schedule, because even if you'd start taking melatonin and you start working out, how do you know which one of those things is regulating you? You don't. So start with one thing at a time, give it some time, give it 14, 21, 28 days to see how has this new supplement or this new activity, whether it's melatonin or whether it's working out, how has this had an impact on me over the last period of time since I've started it and pay attention, have that conversation with yourself, your brain to body connection to say, how do I feel when I wake up? Keep a journal about it. This is one of my favorite things to do too. Let me specify, I jot notes in my personal journal about starting new things. I have yet to keep a specific new habit journal. This is something I want to start and just haven't. I think it's a great idea to jot down. Today, I started melatonin supplements, how I took it. This is what time I took it. This is what time I went to sleep. This is what time I woke up. This is how I felt. And keeping that running journal for seven days, 14 days, and then review it. Have there been any changes? Have they been positive? How do you feel about it? And that's what I think too, that people get so overwhelmed with like supplements or a new fitness routine or just making so many changes in your life at once. If I'm going to start this little supplement habit journal, I want to do just that. Let me just start that instead of let's start this journal and then let's do this thing. Let's do this thing. Again, I wouldn't know what was working yeah. and I may feel so overwhelmed by all of it. I abandoned all of it. Yeah. So on those lines, I'd like to ask you because peptides, 
they're starting to come more mainstream. People are starting to learn about peptides. I've learned a lot about peptides from you and from your website and from your podcast. How does one get started in biting this peptide pie without feeling too overwhelmed with understanding what is a peptide? What does it do? How can I just get started? Yeah, good question. I'm actually working on a resource right now. I'm working on an intro to peptides course. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And now uh, if I could only get a little less busy, but that's my thing, right? Is carve out the time. But I think that the most important thing with peptides is education and understand why you want to use them. Are you using peptides because you have an injury that you're trying to help your body to heal a little faster? Are you using peptides for anti-aging purposes? And I don't love the term anti-aging, but for healthier aging purposes, but definitely there's a potential with peptides where, especially with the bioregulators, where there's some people doing some really interesting work with them and showing that they seem to be able to reverse people's biological age by using these bioregulator peptides. And I see this in my group a lot and it amazes me. Like people are gutsy, right? They're like, oh, I heard about this peptide and I went and I bought it. I went, what do I do with it now? I'm like, how do you just go out and buy something that, and, and a lot of them are administered by subcutaneous injection, which is not nearly as scary as it sounds. Like this is like the thing that diabetics do. Every but like day. needles though. Yeah, it's a needle. It's just into the fat layer under the skin. And I was the most needle phobic person you'll ever meet. I can do this all day, any day. It doesn't matter. Having said that, the point is that because this is a needle, because you're fundamentally injecting something into your body, it is super important to either work with someone. If you have a medical condition, you need to find a doctor, a medical doctor who understands peptides and understands your medical condition. And the bad news is that in our world, in our system, and this is changing now, a lot of the people I see in this group are people who have reached the end of the line. The conventional medical system has not been able to help them. And they're now looking for their own answers. The good news is that with every passing day, there are more and more amazing medical doctors that are coming online, becoming really well-versed with peptides. There are some rock stars in the US, I will tell you, who just know their stuff and are really able to understand this from a systems approach. And I refer people to them all the time because people will come to me because of the podcast, because I have the group. I have a certain amount of knowledge in peptides. I can help people within a certain framework, but when it comes to medical conditions, I draw the line. <laughs> you know what? Like you got to go see a medical doctor, but to answer your question, you got to educate yourself, whether it's through a group, whether it's with a coach or a guide or a medical doctor, depending on your framework and understand what is your goal and then go from there. But the other thing about peptides is that definitely the general consensus is that they're quite safe, but the reality is that there's a lot we don't know. Just And you as, can misuse as, anything. And just as it's true with anything, you can harm yourself using an herb. You can harm yourself using the wrong supplement. You frankly could eat the wrong food at the wrong time on the wrong day for you. And you, you can drink too much water. Absolutely. I mean- and there are certain peptides where they think they know what they do, but they're not exactly sure how they do it. Well, here's the news, guys. Like, the human body is an incredibly complex, intelligent machine 
that we don't really fully understand. <laughs> so I think that what's also very important is people have respect for these things, that they understand that they're taking, you're assuming a certain degree of risk because there's a certain amount of unknown. The same is true for a lot of drugs and medications and frankly, even supplements. So come at it with a very balanced approach. Get yourself some guidance from someone who has a certain amount of experience and can help to give you context and framework around what your situation is and around what your goals are. But basically, I think you asked what are peptides. So you've got the peptides and the bioregulators. They're a little bit different. And a peptide like a BPC-157, which stands for Body Protective Compound 157, which is a fragment of a naturally occurring protein in our gastric juice is probably one of the best, it's gotten the most airtime, if you will, because this little tiny protein can initiate repair in all the tissues of the body. It's a rock star at healing the GI tract, anything in the GI tract. It can help to normalize blood pressure. It can help to heal kidneys. It can help to heal musculoskeletal injuries. It can help overcome TBI, like to heal from TBIs. It helps to heal nerves. It helps to balance the dopaminergic, serotonergic, and GABAergic centers in the brain. It can do so many amazing things. And you got to understand that even though you've got a lot of people out there going, oh, nothing could ever go wrong with BPC-157, it's safe for everybody. I'm going to call BS on that because the truth is I've seen it in my group. There's a small percentage of people who their neurotransmitter balance doesn't go better, it goes worse with BPC-157. So going back to what you were saying earlier about that journal, keeping a diary, starting low and slow, starting only for the love of God, one peptide at a time. Yeah. Please don't put 10 peptides at yourself at one time. Starting one at a time, understanding, well, am I sleeping better? Or am I sleeping worse? Do I feel better? Do I feel worse? What has changed? I would say the lion's share of people will get benefit but there's a subset of people that it'll make them crazy. I have one guy in the group who says, oh my God, my dog hates it when I use BPC-157 because I turn into a raging lunatic. And I'm like, well, you might consider stopping that. Like, you don't know what it's doing. Like it's- if your dog is recognizing this, like listen to the dog. You're clearly not listening to your body, but the dog knows something you don't. <laughs> exactly. What BPC is doing, it's acting as a signaling molecule. So that's what the peptide does. It's a signaling molecule that flips on a cascade of events. It's super cool. So it will bind to a receptor and it initiates a cascade of events at the cellular level. The other cool thing about BPC-157 is it upregulates the expression of growth hormone receptors all over the body, which is one of the reasons why a lot of people will use BPC when they're trying to heal something, they'll use the BPC-157 along with another category of peptide called growth hormone secretagogues. And what growth hormone secretagogues do is they upregulate, they signal the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland to produce and release more growth hormone. Well, so many of us have lower growth hormone release as we age or because we're not sleeping properly or whatever the you know, whatever it is that we have going on in our body. Or under extreme stress because we decided to start a business. Exactly. Yeah. And we're not sleeping and we're like it, that whole cascade, right? And so 
imagine the beautiful synergy that's happening as the brain is releasing your own growth hormone. You're not introducing external synthetic growth hormone here. You're just giving your body that signal, hey, we need more. So it's going to release growth hormone. Meanwhile, you've got BPC-157 on the other side that can help with healing and also increases the number of the expression of those receptors for growth hormone to help with the healing. So it's really cool, for lack of a better word. <laughs> it's really fascinating. It's a fascinating area. It's getting more and more attention in the mainstream as well as where it's coming from. I think the people who first started playing with these peptides were actually bodybuilders way back in the day. They used to use a peptide called melanotan-1, actually, at the time, which we would call the Barbie doll peptide because it's an alpha MSH agonist. And what it does is it activates melanin in the body and it gets you tent. That, <laughs> that is crazy. As much as I've been reading and looking into the peptides and learning about the peptides, it didn't make sense in that way until you explained it just like that. That made sense to me. It's almost like certain things in our body go offline because again, we're going climate controlled environments, constant comfort, foods with preservatives. I mean, you name it. We, you know, no matter what we do, we can't avoid all of these different things that have flipped these switches off in our bodies. And so this is like, wake up, come alive. So if you start on peptides, do you have to take them forever? Do you do it in a cycle? No, I would never take anything forever, ever. Not even a supplement. That's, that's my number one. If you tell me that I have to be on this forever, the answer is no. I tried at the Upgrade Conference. This is just a good example of this. These inserts for your shoes. Lines. Yeah. And he says, oh yeah, well, you have this and you have this and you need this and you need this. Okay, cool. How long do I have to do this? He's like, well, forever. And I said, well, wait a minute, you're standing next to Egoscue. Egoscue has kept me from going to the chiropractor for years. Now I did have my first chiropractor visit in a while, a couple of months ago, but that was a completely different situation. I just want full disclosure here. But I was like, you're standing next to Egoscue and Egoscue helps you with exercises to retrain your body so that we are standing in alignment. So you're telling me as you're standing next to Egoscue that I need these foot inserts forever forever, no matter what I do, no matter what exercise, no matter what I work on, that doesn't work for me. So if you tell me anything, whether it's a supplement, a clothing item, a lotion, a pet, I don't care what it is. If you tell me I need it for the rest of my life, I walk away. Yeah. I think in defense for the insole guys, in their defense, what they know is that most people won't do the work. That most people will not be there because they can't or they won't or they don't have the knowledge or the understanding or access to the right person they won't do the work to rebalance to rebuild the muscles the flexibility where it's needed that whole body of work that's needed to address these imbalances in the body so what they're doing is they're providing a solution to realign your body from the bottom up yeah so that you don't have to do the work it's obviously better to do the work yeah, but even I don't do the work. Even I am not doing my Agoscu exercises the way they're prescribed. So I understand that. I think that makes sense. But like too, when it comes to supplements or when it comes to medications, I've been told I was chronically ill. I've been yeah. told I would die if I didn't take these medications. I haven't taken them in years and look at me, I'm healthy as a horse. And as far as that anti-aging thing, I want to introduce the term aging optimization. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I'm not against it. I'm not against aging. I'll be 41. <laughs> the older I get, the better I get. The more I enjoy life, the more capacity I have for things. I just got a puppy. What was I thinking? I have capacity. So I like aging. I'm a fan of aging. I want to look good and feel good while I do it. So let's say aging optimization. I'm all over that. I love it. No, I'm, I did. And look, I mean, we will age. We are aging. We are aging every minute. I'm here to tell you. (laughs) But how you age and how you move through these next decades and how your future unfolds, whether going back to the beginning of the podcast, whether you're going to develop these chronic diseases associated with aging is in much more of our control than a lot of people believe. Yeah. But you do have to do the work. There's no doubt you have to do the work. And then we're getting access to certain supplements and certain compounds that are now also helping to fight mother nature because mother nature has a very defined lifeline for us. Mm-hmm. You are born, you go through childhood, you hit puberty, you're supposed to reproduce. Then you stick around to take care of your offspring. She might keep you around a little longer to take care of your offspring's offspring while your offspring are out hunting for bears or whatever they're doing. But after that, like there's a very natural decline, right? So if you want that decline to stop, or if you want to flatten the curve, if you will, which would be the best way to flatten any curve, right? If you want to basically bring yourself back to a level where you remain vital, you remain youthful, you remain energetic, you get to enjoy those decades, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. I'm not convinced about the 150s personally. I'm not, I'm just- Might be in the next generation. (laughs) It's not that I don't think we can't get there. I'm just not convinced we can get there well. Besides, you'd have to have a lot of money. (laughs) You know, and I'm not really concerned. I don't know necessarily that we really ought to. I mean, <laughs> yeah, there's something about leaving room for the next generation. But anyway, at least keeping ourselves vital and healthy and amazing until the day where our time here is done, that is within our control. But that does require over and above. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get there just with a healthy diet and exercise, particularly. You will have to bring in certain resources that are novel and new and might offset some of the natural effects of the aging or passage of time, if you will, on the body. Absolutely. So how would you advise someone who's like, because sometimes people listen to this podcast, they've not done, they're new, they're new to the biohacking, they're new to the health optimization, they're new to the aging optimization. All this is brand new. Where would you advise someone, say they're in the throes of their health challenges at this time, or they just haven't done anything yet? Where would you start someone? If you have health challenges going on already, definitely addressing those first is going to be key because before we can get to optimization, we need to get to homeostasis, right? So we need to get to that baseline where we're supposed to be. And for most people, they're starting below the baseline somewhere. So whatever it is that's got you down there, start by looking, first of all, at the obvious. What's my diet like? Am I sleeping? Am I getting outside? Am I moving my body? Am I getting enough exercise? And that suite, if you will, of those pillars is going to shift as you get closer and closer 
to homeostasis, and then as you move through homeostasis and move into optimization. So what my sleep, exercise, nutrition, whatever it is, looks like when I'm sick is going to look different at homeostasis and it's going to look different when I'm optimizing. And it's a little bit what you said earlier. Don't expect yourself to go from zero to a thousand. If you're a person who eats a lot of processed foods and relies on restaurants and that kind of stuff, start by moving yourself into a world where you make a commitment to eat more real food in its natural state if you all foods single ingredients absolutely you, you don't have to get crazy by going keto or paleo or this or that start with just cleaning things up a little bit see how that affects your body see how you feel you might need to get some assistance from a coach because it may be that you have intolerances or there are certain foods that don't work for your body understanding what those are and addressing them in a rational way without swinging wildly from one extreme to another will always serve you better. Addressing sleep is core. It's foundational. And very often people will need help. But where do you start? Well, start by prioritizing your sleep. Start by acknowledging that it's the single most important thing you need to do. Most of us treat sleep as an inconvenience. I used to say sleep is a waste of my time. Sleep is the single most important thing you can do. I'll That's sleep when I'm dead. Well, you're going to be dead a lot sooner if you don't get sleep now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So that macho attitude about sleep, like forget that. Prioritize sleep. Start to understand what does it take for good sleep and start to build towards those good sleep habits. And before you start taking supplements, bring in the sleep habits first. Change the environment, change your attitude, change all of the things around it. Turn the screens Move off. the TV out of the bedroom. Keep your phone out of your bedroom. Turn off the laptop at a certain time of day. These are all practices that I've started. I go back and forth with the phone in the bedroom thing, but we got the rid of the TV in the bedroom and that was a big deal. One of the things I want to point out is sometimes when you're in the throes of illness, because this is where I was when I was at my wit's end, Sleep was not a problem, except that it consumed my life. I was sleeping 10, 12, 14 hours because I just couldn't keep up with anything. I had no energy. So if you have nothing to give, this is something I just like to point out for people who are in the throes of that experience. If you feel like you don't have the energy to go to the gym, you don't have the energy to take a walk. You don't have the energy to do anything. You already are sleeping more than you ought to start with the sun gazing. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is step outside. If you're in the middle of a city, find a way to get your red light, find a way to get some vitamin D, just find a way to sit in the light. This mm -hmm. is passive. All you have to do is sit there. Another thing that you can do if you find that you're just that down, that struggling that much with having energy, breath work. Yeah. Anyone can do breath work. I love it and I hate it. It can be high energy, holotropic, high active, or hyperactive, or it can be slow. It can be calm. It can be rhythmic. There is a breath work out there for everyone. I promise go to YouTube, go to Instagram. You can find something. So even if you feel like you don't even know where to start because it's so overwhelming, you're already out of energy thinking about it. Start with light, start with the breath. Those are yeah. two things that you can absolutely do. And magnesium, take a magnesium bath. Yeah. Throw some Epsom salts in your bath. Do that every night. You will be happy that you did. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Magnesium is great. I mean, there's a few supplements that I think are really fantastic out there for sure. The mm -hmm. nitric oxide is another foundational one that I think people who are suffering with a lot of illnesses, again, your ability to make nitric oxide really tanks can be really helpful because again, if you improve that circulatory system, you're going to improve energy at a cellular level. Yeah. It's a start. It's not the only thing, obviously, but it is definitely a start. Well, Natalie, thank you. Thank you for taking your time and sharing your knowledge. And it's always wonderful to connect with you. So I appreciate that. What can you leave us with if you could give just one little piece of advice for this journey? Again, many people are coming to it first time. This is also new. Some people are coming into it. They've already got a leg up. They know what they're doing. What's one piece of advice that you like to share across the board? Ooh, that's a tough question. And if we're going to put our arms around all the people, you know, people who are in their journey, people who haven't even started yet, I think it's that be patient with yourself, be kind to yourself, acknowledge and respect where you are and don't look at other people. Just look at yourself, get the support that you need when you need it. Like, don't be afraid to reach out for help because people so often try to go it alone and it's a challenge. So whether you go out there and you find it, I mean, the cool thing about our world right now is there are communities of people for everything. And so finding that community that you can connect with and don't be afraid to shop. Don't be afraid to say whether it's a person, a coach or a community is not resonating for you, doesn't lift you up. Keep shopping until you find the people that lift you up, that hold you up, that help you to be the best of yourself, that help you to move along this path. I think that's the single most important thing you can do next to all the healthy stuff that we've been talking about. But finding a community that will support you and help you along in that journey, I think is probably, and it's the thing that's been challenged over the last couple of years. But the dark side of social media is the dark side of social media, but the platinum lining of the world that we live in right now is that we can find our community out there. And we can choose. We can choose whether we're seeing the dark or the light. We get to make that decision. So if you're following people that are angering you, if you're connected to people who are not lighting you up and inspiring you, switch your connections. Switch yeah. your connections. Switch up your follows, your hashtags, your groups, or whatever that looks like. Natalie, where can we find you? Oh, well, lots of places. <laughs> so you can find me on Instagram at Natalie Nidham. That's just my name. And I, you know, it's a funny spelling. It's N-A-T-H-A-L-I-E. Or you can find me in my Facebook group, which is Biohacking Superhuman Performance. Or I think if you search biohacking or optimizing superhuman performance, either will work. And then the podcast is Biohacking Superhuman Performance. And you also have a website. I have a website, which is natnidham.com. I got rid of the H problem, just shortened my name to Nat, that one. And the website's got everything. It's got information about the podcast. There's a sign up for my newsletter, which I just started in December. And there's information about a retreat that I'm going to be co-hosting at the end of March in the Dominican Republic, which is a women's resilience and longevity retreat. With a super awesome mutual friend of ours that actually introduced us, Daja Maximov. And she's been on this podcast before, you guys. She has an incredible story as well. So keep yeah. an eye out for that. You'll definitely want, there are still a few spots open, correct? For your yeah. retreat. Tell yeah. us a little bit about that. 
we're calling it a five-day intensive, but really it starts a month and a half before you even come down because we're asking people to, and it's included in the cost of the retreat is people are having their genetics done. They're having their biological age measured. And that way, when they come down to the retreat, we're able to sit with them one-on-one and help them to take all this information we're going to be delivering about nutrition and supplements and biohacking and peptides and They're also doing live blood cell analysis while they're in the Dominican Republic. So taking the tests, looking at the reality, personalizing it for them, and really allowing them to also interact with a lot of different biohacking technology and supplements and help to shape what's the next phase of their health journey going to look like. So the idea is to immerse yourself for five days and then launch yourself into a year or whatever it may be for you of the next level of your optimization journey, whatever that is. I love this because this is a retreat, you guys, that is more than just yoga, breath work, meditation. This is science. This is getting down to the nitty gritty of who are you? What is your body? What are you producing? You are different than anyone else that is going to show up at this retreat. So it is important that you're getting this individualized care in a group setting with people who are on the path that you're on. So it's that built-in support network. It is the science behind it all. And it's the tools to help you reach your goals. I love this. I am still crossing my fingers that hopefully I will find a way to get an ice bath to the Dominican Republic so I can join in these. It would be amazing. (laughs) But plant that and just see where we go. So find Natalie, find her website, find all that you can when it comes to this retreat. Look up Daja too. It's been incredible to have this conversation with you, Natalie. And I thank you. You guys know where to find me. It's the same as always at Adrian underscore Jezik on Instagram at Marotsko Forge on Instagram. www.marotskoforge.com is our website. And you can always email at info at Marotskoforge.com. Thank you all. I appreciate it. And have a great day and stay cool, cold friends. Thank you for joining us today and holding space for the challenges of becoming well. Healing is a practice and it requires patience. You can find more information on the benefits of deliberate cold exposure on our website, marotskoforge.com. You can also find me on Instagram at Adrian underscore Jezik and at Forge. Check us out on the Morotsko Method Network on Mighty Networks, where we share all things related to cold, health, and aging optimization. And remember, this is what cold feels like.